Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. The last few weeks I've been talking to you, it's all intentional, we've been building up to this, this uh, sermon today, but how many have been here the last couple weeks, two, three weeks? I've been teaching on, on principles of what we believe, what we stand for as a church, and core values exactly, and last week it was on beliefs, on the different beliefs that we have, and the fact that we can disagree to agree on certain things, you know, that's what makes us or gives us distinctives. distinctives. That's why there's, there's Baptists, there's Pentecostals, there's Adventists, there's on and on and on and on. We can agree to disagree on certain things, but on the essentials, we can never disagree on. Amen? And that's what I was talking about last week was the essentials of certain things that are core values or doctrines of the early church that still exist today that you and I cannot disagree on. For example, Jesus died on a cross and was, was, uh, came back from the dead three days later. That's a core value. We cannot disagree uh, uh, to disagree on that one. There's just no ifs and buts about that. That is a core value. How many know that that's the truth? That is what the Bible teaches. Amen? So that's what I mean when I say an essential truth. We cannot disagree on those things. Today I want to talk to you about the growth in the church. So I've laid out how we and what are we to believe in, what are core values. Now the next step is how do we grow a church? I'm sure like all of you here, you want to see that sign right there that says room capacity. Those of you that can't see it in the back, it says 222 persons. I want 222. Three persons in here. I, I want to fill it up. But how do we get there? What, what do we do? And it's really a simple message. And I want to talk to you about that this afternoon. But let me just read this statement to you first. It's been said that too many believers, including pastors, are like Christopher Columbus. When he started out, he didn't know where he was going. When he got there, he didn't know where he was. And when he got back, he didn't know where he had been. And if you're to understand what you're about to present or the gospel, then you'll, you won't be in that situation if you understand it. In order to communicate the gospel of Christ, we must first have an understanding of it. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, this afternoon we pray and we ask your Holy Spirit that it would just speak through us, speak through these words that I'm about to say for these next few moments. Lord, give us understanding to hear what your word has to say, how it applies to my life today. And Father, I pray your blessing upon every listener today, whether here or online uh, later. Father, I pray your blessing upon them that they might have a relationship with you and discover what it is to have eternal life in you. And Lord, we give you thanks for that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Growth in the church, growth in the church. Um, everybody have an outline? Because we're going to look at it right now. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. One will be given to you. But I want to turn to Matthew chapter 16. This is our, our sermon text, Matthew chapter 16. And uh, I'm going to read starting in verses 13 through 18. Uh, you, you don't need to say, I've got quite a few scriptures here that I want to read to you. But starting in verse 13... Jesus, listen to, to the words of Jesus. 
When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Let me just stop there. Jesus is always going to ask you, who do you say I am? He doesn't care what other people say. He wants to know what you say. He wants an individual response from each of you. Did you catch that? He wants an individual response from each of you. So Simon Peter, in verse 16, answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Let me repeat that again. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It's very clear here that Jesus is telling us he will build his church. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Who builds the church? Is it Pastor Rick? Is it Garland? Is it our leadership team here? No. And and so let's get get into that. I want to take you now to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And actually, we're going to start in verse 38 of the book of Acts. And the reason I want to talk to you about this today, this particular subject, is you'll often see... And here, if you go online, you'll, you'll hear messages like this, like the three quick steps to growing a church, the seven steps to becoming an effective church in today's society, the latest book. Or on social media, somebody will post how a message, you know, the, the seven instant steps to having an overnight explosive church growth. It's on and on and on and on. And every time you read something, they're, they're usually... The same ideas, the same themes. But I want to talk to you today about what does the Bible say about church growth? What does the Bible say? I don't care what a, what a minister who even has 20,000 people in his church says. And I'll tell you about that later. Why? But let's go to the birth of the church. The New Testament, the birth of the church happened in the book of Acts. After Jesus resurrected, he told his disciples... Pray and wait for me in Jerusalem. Wait there for the coming, for the comforter to come, for the Holy Spirit to come. So here they are in this place called the upper room in Jerusalem. The Bible says it's all the disciples, mother, the mother of Jesus, along a total of 120 people are in this upper room. They're just praying. They've been praying since Jesus passed away. This was the day of Pentecost. This is 50 days later okay so you got to understand they've been praying they've been praying so when jesus challenges you to pray it's not just maybe for one day it could be weeks it could be months it could be a certain length of time you just keep on praying until you get an answer amen so listen to these words here this is peter's message he's preaching to thousands of people here so in verse 38 Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children 
and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted, everybody say accepted, accepted. his message were baptized. And about 3,000, everybody say 3,000, were added to their number that day. I think 3,000 would be probably um, one-fifth of the population of American Canyon, maybe a little bit uh, more. I, I'm not sure. I know the population here is not very, very much here. But amazing revival. That's called revival right there. Okay? Now, going back to what I said earlier, we hear, we hear so much about church growth in our, in our generation nowadays. Um, there, there's, there's ways to grow a church. There's also ways not to grow a church. I believe we have a dynamic way, a, a, a wonderful way to grow a church here because, first of all, it starts with family. Yeah. Every one of you are family. You look across and, and, you, and you know a person. You, you've prayed with them. You've sat with them. You've had lunch, dinner with them. You've, you've fellowship with them. You know their hurts. You know their, the places where they are rejoicing right now. And that's a family, and not to mention we have killer food here, which is amazing. What's not to like about our church? And there, there's, as I mentioned earlier, there's books, there's seminars that you can attend that will help you grow your church. But here's the, here's the main point. We have to have discernment to recognize artificial false methods to make the church grow by the power and wisdom and cleverness of men. See, there's all these ways that we can go about, and I, I can go out and do certain things that I guarantee you I'll have 20 people in here next week. I'll have 50 people in here next week by the, by the ways that I can make things happen. But at the end of the day, are they here because the Spirit of God drew them here? Are they, are they going to stay? Or is it just because I offered them um, money or I offered them a free meal uh, you know, there's different ways to attract people. But at the end of the day, the Bible says that the Spirit of God will call them. Because when the Spirit of God calls them, He plants them. If I bring them in, they're not necessarily going to be planted. But when the Spirit of God calls you, you become planted. Amen? Remember this. Jesus said, I, everybody say I, I. will build my church I will build my church, Jesus said. He's the only one that's going to grow the church. If you omit Jesus, if I'm just talking about the good meal we're going to have or the good time we're going to have, but I omit Jesus, the church is not going to grow. We got to have Jesus in the center of that. So when people ask me, Pastor Rick, do you want to see a church grow? Do you want to have your own church? I say, well, as much as I, I want to have that, um, I cannot do Jesus. I cannot do, do Jesus. I can't compare with Jesus. Jesus said, I will build my church. Amen? Not Pastor Rick. So, yes, Pastor Rick has to have the, the, the processes in place, uh, the things in place to, to have a people when they come in and have them fit into our church and places to go and places to grow. But Jesus grows the church, not you and I. Amen? Now, regarding Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church, there was 120 people there gathered waiting for this comforter, waiting for the Holy Spirit. 
and praying. This is the birth of the church. This is the birth, the beginning of this church. We trace it back to the book of Acts. That's where it was born. Jesus told his disciples, wait for me in Jerusalem for the comforter. This is, in, this is how the church grows. Number one, praying. Praying. It starts with you and I praying. They were praying. They were a praying church. We can't miss that right here. It wasn't, this isn't a theory. This isn't some quick three-step process. It was praying. It's really simple, church. It's praying. Are you praying for the church to grow? This is the story of the church growing. It's practical. This is reality. I want to read to you another scripture, Matthew 16 and verse 8. And this is how the church, part of how the church grows. And it's on your outline. And it says this, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it, will not prevail. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus was telling the disciple Peter that on him, he would build the church through him, through him, and that... Uh, he was going to be the, the beginning of the, of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church, the cornerstone of our faith. Our, our faith begins with him, but Jesus was going to use Peter for that. Amen? Amen. And so uh, the, the important thing here that I want you to recognize is that Jesus is saying, I will build my church. The church grows under the power of Christ, under his spirit. See, it's his spirit that drew you here. It's his spirit that drew Garland to this church. He didn't show up at movies in the park a few years ago in American Canyon by accident that night that we were there, Foothill Christian American Canyon. He didn't show up there by accident. It was a divine plan by Almighty God. The Spirit of God drew him there, then drew him to church here. Spirit of God drew every one of you here. Amen? You, you may have known me or known my family but it wasn't me that drew you here. It was the Spirit of God that, that drew you here. And more importantly, it's the Spirit of God that keeps you here. Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen? The church grows under the power of Christ through His Spirit. This is exactly how the Lord builds His church. And this is important here if you're in leadership or you want to be a leader, that you understand this principle that it's the Lord who builds His church. The Lord adds to the number. The Lord builds his church and the Lord adds to that number. You and I can be the most smartest, most wisdom-filled person on this earth. But if the Lord doesn't draw them, you won't grow the church. You won't grow the church. Amen? This is how the church is built. It's not about human ingenuity. It's not about your smarts. It's not about your charisma even. It's about the divine call, the effectual call to the unbeliever. I don't know about you, but I just remember when I first became a believer that that divine call it just it was calling me to another place. It was it was to the point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired yet? Because until you are, sometimes that's what it takes. That's what it takes until you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Because I promise you one thing, until you get there, things will continue to be the same. 
things will just continue to be the same in your life. And the Lord will allow us to hit rock bottom in order for us to climb back out and see his wonderful light. Amen. The church is built not with human ingenuity, but through divine call. Jesus adds to that number. This story is the story, the, the gospel is the story of church growth, and that growth is explosive. It's, it's the church growing. We really should see revivals in this last day and age. We should see people coming in and just wanting a personal relationship with Christ because they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. But I think this, this world, this society that we live in dumps us so much garbage that it pollutes our minds and we, we block out this message of Christ. We tune it out because we're so filled with garbage that's out in this world. And we got to get back in tune with the message. The message, again, in Mark, the church message is this. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, which was our scripture verse. This is Jesus' words. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You know, when we go to Mexico, that's part of all the world. In other parts of the Bible, it says go into uh, Samaria, Judea, and to uh, the uttermost parts of the world and preach. Go into American Canyon, Vallejo, Solano County, San Francisco, into Mexico, into other countries. That's how it applies to you and I today. Our church fulfills that. We do that by reaching out to those in this community and to even to Mexico. Let me ask you this this afternoon. What does it mean to grow? How does the church grow from a spiritual standpoint? How do we grow? I mean, yeah, it's fine to have, you know, 222 people in here. But how are we growing? How do we grow? There's no, if you look in the word here, there's no techniques given that, okay, when when the spirit of God calls them in, it's going to grow and it's going to explode. There's no techniques given. There's, no, there's nothing that shows you this is step one through five that you've got to follow. Are you tracking with me here this, this afternoon? There's nothing like that. There's no methodologies. There's no spiritual uh, disciplines here uh, on how to grow the church. But we have, to, we have to have the discernment to recognize false efforts, first of all, by men. I, I believe that that there are churches, some of these mega churches, uh, and again, it's not it's not a knock that on on the on the pastor, but I think what happens is they get so caught up in in trying to maintain and and, and compete that it comes at the expense of the gospel. Sometimes it comes at the expense of preaching the true word of God, and uh, all it is 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 programs, and you know they're great programs. It's first class of everything. Uh, but the programs come at the expense of hearing the true gospel of Christ, which is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and I, I see churches, I hear messages sometimes that never, ever proclaim that truth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When, when Ann and I first, when we got married, we got married in Sacramento. It was at the church that uh, she used to attend. It was a bilingual Assemblies of God church. And the pastor there that married us, Pastor Galindo, I remember asking him, I said, what, what's the one thing that you always speak about? You know, if there's one thing, one theme, I was just curious. And I, I kind of knew, but I wanted him to, to tell me. 
to voice it to me. And he said, mijo, you know, son, what I always preach on, what I always teach on is the blood of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I never preach a sermon without mentioning that because that's where the power of the gospel is. Those were his exact words. That's what he said. And I never forgot that because that's the message that Jesus preached to us. That's the message that he left behind for us, that that's where the power is, the gospel. And there's these churches nowadays that have strayed so far away from that, that they have nice programs and and beautiful beautiful um, church buildings and and beautiful programs for the children and, and so forth, that it comes at the expense of preaching the gospel. It's the work of the Lord that grows the church. Amen. Let me tell you about the culture back during this time when Jesus is, is speaking. It was not a global village like it is today. What I mean by that is, you know, not only do we have diversity here, but we, we can go to our workplace. We're working with different culture groups, different ethnic groups. We go on to social media. Obviously, you can contact anybody you want. Um, there, it's just, it comes like this nowadays in our culture. Our, our culture is now defined by the media. It really is. And, and media is everywhere. And it wasn't like that in biblical times. Back then, every group had its, had its mark in the sand, like, we're, we're right here, we're of this group, so we, we don't cross over with those people over there. And those people over there didn't cross over and, and hang with this group over here because, you know, they're, they're separate. We're, we're now all a cultural family, a cultural one village, amen? A global village. And so here's, here's what I'm trying to get to because of that. In biblical times, they had their own traditions, they had their traditions. There were lines that weren't crossed. They were deep-seated beliefs, very distinct, very unique. And you couldn't, you couldn't argue with them because they would stand up and fight you. Well, that's, that's been my custom for years. How dare you speak about my grandparents that way and my great-grandparents and my ancestors. That's how I was raised. And, and, and there were different perspectives back then. But here's, here's what the gospel message teaches us. That it didn't matter where you came from. The message was the same. Did you catch that? The message was the same. The gospel message was the same. It was irrelevant irre- to the message. It didn't matter where you came from, what tribe, what your traditions were. The message was the same. The Jews said in the, in the word said that it was a stumbling block, but it didn't change their message, the message of the gospel. The Gentiles said it was foolishness that this man died on a cross and we expect to believe that he was God, the God man. They said that was foolishness, but it didn't change the message. The message was still the same. It was preached. It was unthinkable to the to the philosophy of the Greeks and the Romans of that time to preach this. Yet Paul did that. He preached to them the same message. It didn't change. It didn't matter if the Romans thought it was a stupid thing or if the Jews thought it was a stumbling block. It didn't change. It couldn't change. The gospel is unchanging. Amen? The Lord again had said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the gospel is this, again, that Jesus died, 
was buried, and was resurrected. It's that simple. It really is. That's why the gospel can reach a a five-year-old. That's why the gospel can reach a a six-year-old, seven-year-old. It shouldn't matter. It's that simple. We as adults, we complicate it so much. We, we think it's so much more than that. When in reality, God is just saying, I love you so much. I've made it simple for you to understand. The Lord said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What does that mean for you and I? It means that we go everywhere. This morning, for example, I was at the car wash. I was getting the car at eight, 8 o'clock and I'm here at the Vallejo car wash getting it washed. And there's already a line. It took me an hour to get the car wash. There's a lot of people that go to, don't go to church on Sundays. I'm looking around. Why aren't you guys getting ready for church? You're here getting your car washed. But I was there too. So the, but the important thing there is there's opportunities to witness to the people around you. Everywhere you go, right next to me, there, there's a gentleman waiting for his car. He'd been there for an hour. He was complaining to them. There was a, there was a woman over here to my left. There's, there's people sitting there. Where are you going today, tomorrow, where you can be an effective witness of the gospel. That's our message. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. The Lord is saying that when you preach that message, there's power in that message. It's very simple. We complicate it. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's not your job to save them. Your job is just to speak to them. Speak to them. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. There's cards back here on our table that they're invite cards. There's also little business-sized cards that have our church name, the address here. It says you're invited. Take some of those with you. If you're not a preacher and, Pastor Rick, I don't know how to witness to them, just pass them a card. We'll, we'll preach the message to them once they get here. Amen? But if you can, your job is, as a, as a believer in Christ, to share that message the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to look at Acts chapter 2 and verses 8 through 11. Acts chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. That's on your outline. And uh, how many are thankful for the Word of God? Amen? Amen. Amen. Now again, this is, this is when the Holy Spirit came upon them. In the book of Acts, this is the birth of the church again. They're in the upper room in Jerusalem, the 120 people. And in verse 8, let me start in verse 7. Actually, it says, utterly amazed, they asked, this is the disciples, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Aren't all these who are speaking Americans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language. And they go on to list 15 different nations. I'll just read them. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked another, one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. 
They've had too much wine. They were drunk is what they were saying. Oh, they're drunk because they saw them speaking in tongues is what they saw. Here's my point in this. Peter preached this message here of salvation to all these different nations. He, he crossed that boundary line. He, he didn't care that they were Canadians, Germans, French, Americans. He crossed that line and began to speak to them the one message. The power of God anointed them to hear the word of God. Amen. The message didn't change just because they came from a different tribe, a different culture. They were used to or brought up a different way. The message was the same. Amen. Let us remember that when we witness to people, you don't have to change it up on anybody. It's the same message. Amen. Fifteen nations represented there. The message was, must never change. The simple fact is, as I invite Bianca up here as we close, the simple fact is that Jesus said to preach the gospel, preach the good news. Look at your neighbor and tell him the gospel is the good news. Now look at your other neighbor and tell him the good news is the gospel. And this is the death the burial, and the resurrection. That is where the power of the gospel lies, in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Amen? We don't need to get caught up in the latest church fad. We don't need to get caught up in how this church is doing it or how that church is doing it. Are we preaching the gospel? Are we sharing the gospel? Great programs are nice. Beautiful big churches are wonderful. But are, you, are we preaching the gospel? That's what I want to challenge you. Each of you. Not only Pastor Rick. I'm challenging myself. But I'm challenging you. In your daily life. You have opportunities all around you. Share with, with that person next to you. At Buttercream Bakery. The next time you go out there. To go buy a cheese danish. Oh. Or when you're at Walmart in line and those crying kids are everywhere. So you're left to your right and they're just screaming and you can't wait to get out of there. Or when you're at Costco and you're wondering, how in the world did I fill this basket up? There are people all around you that need to hear the gospel. We live in a hurting world. The smiles that you see all around you, they're just there. Sometimes they're there to diffuse to hide. Speak to people. Speak to them. We're so busy, if I had my cell phone up here, we're so busy doing this that we don't take the time to put them down and do this. And do this. Not a knock against this millennial generation or our society as a whole, but we spend too much time doing this. And we've got to put them down. And we've got to do this. Have conversations. Sit down. When was the last time you had dinner together as a family? With no cell phones. Maybe that's a challenge for some of you today. But the point of it is, we need to have that conversation with people. And God gives us that opportunity all around us. Why don't you stand with me this afternoon as we're getting ready to close. There's many modern churches, as I mentioned that I believe aren't preaching the gospel. They've settled for a program. They've settled for 
huge attendance, big numbers, big contributors to their church because of how beautiful it looks at the expense of the gospel. Isaiah 53 and verse 1 says this. It's not on your outline. But verse 1 of chapter 53 says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The Lord is asking us, Who has believed that message? Did you know that when you present that gospel, that you're unleashing the power of heaven? You're unleashing the anointing of heaven. You're not going to get them saved. But the power of the Holy Spirit goes behind that word. Because the Bible promises this. The word does not come back void. does not come back empty. There's a power. There's an anointing when you release that word into somebody's life. That's why it's important that you and I convey that message everywhere we go. God help us to always preach the good news. Not just here in this building, but at Walmart and all the places that we go to during the day. The Lord's commissioned each of you to go out. He called you disciples and said, go out and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all the things that he taught you to observe them, the Bible says. He's commissioned each one of us. Let us allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. That the Holy Spirit will draw all mankind to him. Because to him be the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen.